It has been said that, quote, Lent is not an effort to save ourselves. We have been saved by Jesus' one and perfect sacrifice. Rather, it is part of our journey, the continuum, the falling in love, staying in love, and growing in love with God. And I thought that those that last phrase was just a really great summary of our of our journey here in in this quote Christian life. The falling in love, staying in love, and growing in love with God. Today we're gonna pray through the most important week of the life of the most important person who ever lived. Welcome, I'm Michelle Berkey, and this is Praying Scripture, a weekday broadcast where we use God's own words to honor Him and to talk to Him about the things going on in our life and in our world. Welcome to 200th episode of this broadcast. We started mid-March, I think like the 16th of March of 2020 in a response to the pandemic in an effort to gather people uh, to pray. And now we are on a weekly basis at episode 200. That just astonishes me. I've had... I don't know, five or six podcasts, different podcasts over the course of the last 10 years or something like that. And I think, and this one is the one that has gotten to the most episodes, 200 episodes. That's a big deal for me, (laughs) for someone who finds it difficult to maintain things. So in this episode, we are going to pray through uh, this Uh, week that we are beginning today. We are stepping into Holy Week. But before we do that, we are going to begin with worship. And our verses today is Hebrews 5, verses 7 through 10. Hebrews 5, 7 through 10. And it says this, during his earthly life, Jesus's, he offered prayers and appeals with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was the son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. After he was perfected, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. And he was declared by God high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, this was from Hebrews written to the... um, the Hebrew people. So this was, the, the language is a little different than what we have been going through and reading recently. But let's pray through that and see what we can worship God for in this, in this, uh, in this passage. Father, we come to this idea of this moment or this week between uh, Jesus's earthly life and after uh, the resurrected life. And this week is sort of this transition phase from one to the other, or the beginning of this transition from the one to the other. And we see that Jesus had conversations with you when he was here on earth. He prayed. He asked that he would not have to deal with the suffering that he was going to go through at the end of this week. But he was obedient to do so. I think in one... uh, in. Colossians 2, I think, it's that he was obedient unto death, even death on a cross. And I think that's a quote from a Hebrews passage. So, no, from a different passage. But anyway, I honor you and worship you this morning for your obedience, Jesus, for this idea that you were with us here on earth and that this week, as we think about who you are, and how you, how we misinterpreted who you are 
and what you came to do during that week. Um, we ask you to give us a learning heart, a listening ear. I pray that you would um, teach us and speak to us. You are the Son. You are fully God and fully human, and yet you learned obedience through suffering. Who are we to think that we can learn obedience in other ways? Of course, we will have issues and suffering here on earth. But we come to the end of the week, and we find that you were perfected. You became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey you. That's us. <laughs> Let us obey you in ways that you deserve. In all ways, I guess, with an attitude towards your deserving nature. And you were declared our perfect high priest. Father, I can't imagine not only Jesus' pain for what he suffered, but your pain as intimately connected as father to son, as knowing that you put him in this position, that this was your doing. And I, I can't imagine what that would have been like for you. But I'm so grateful that because you loved me, us, so much, you chose to proceed. And therefore, we have the joy of Easter. As we walk through these verses that are coming today and this week, I pray that we would not be so focused on the joy of Easter and the celebration that we would forget the steps that led there. The, we would uh, feel the solemnity, the, the solemn nature of this week, that it, uh, that that joy was purchased through pain. And I pray that you would teach us what we need to know, that, that you would, uh, for one thing, I don't feel prepared for this morning, this coming to conversation with you. And I know that I'm reminded I don't have to be prepared. I just need to come. And I ask that you would do whatever you would with this time that we have together. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, deep breath, <laughs> and let's dive in. When I first realized that episode 200 was going to fall during Holy Week, at the beginning of Holy Week, I thought, wow, that's just so appro appropriate. Let's celebrate your work and why we're able to be here instead of the accomplishment of being faithful to 200 episodes. Both are worth celebrating. Holy Week worth celebrating far more than the 200. Not only did I think it was appropriate, I thought it would make today's choices for me simple. We would just pray through a series of Holy Week verses. Oh man, I totally forgot how much happened in this week, how much richness there is in the chapters and how many chapters there are, as well as other references that have to do with Holy Week. There is no hope of doing it justice today. Maybe next March we'll do a monthly focus, a Lenten series, but I will be able to do a little more uh, detail on the weekly uh, prayer posts that go out on the Facebook and Instagram pages. But for now, today, I chose a few highlights, and it is still uh, more scripture than what we normally process through in one episode. So 
The first one is a long uh, section, probably, I think it's the longest passage that we have. It's Matthew 21, 10 through 17, and it covers both uh, Palm Sunday and what was probably Monday. So I'm going to read this to you, and then we'll pray through both of these things. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? And the crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did, and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they asked him, or they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants? You, Lord, have called forth your praise. And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany where he spent the night. All right, let's pray. Father, help me, <laughs> help me know what to pull out from these. There's so much in these stories. And all of the stories this week or this episode will probably be familiar. So speak to us about what you would want us to think about today. When you entered the city, Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and people asked, who is this? which is the perfect question for us for the entrance into Holy Week. Who is this? Who am I really celebrating on Easter? What is the, the importance and the, the importance wasn't the word I wanted, the significance of this week and of this day and of this sacrifice, not only in the life of your church making it possible, but in my life today. How does this or should this impact me today. Jesus, you hadn't been back to the city, to Jerusalem, since uh, the raising of Lazarus, Lazarus, and all of these people were so uh, excited and stirred up that this was the one who was coming, and, and the irony is that you were coming about your death and resurrection, and the crowd was stirred because of Lazarus's death and resurrection. But they answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And you were about to show them you are not just a prophet from Nazareth. You are the Savior, the Messiah they had been waiting for. And as you came, you, you accomplished certain things. You spent time on certain things this week, and one of them was cleansing the temple. You went into the temple, and you were angry. You were I imagine there was dismay and can't think of the word that I want. Um, my, my head is filled with the word angry and that's not really the word I wanted. Um, offended is one. That's also not what I was really looking for. But you saw what humans had made of the temple, a house of prayer it was supposed to be. And, and you came and you eliminated the things that were offensive. You drove out the, the sellers and the sin. Father, your church is no different today than the temple was then. No matter how much we think <laughs> that we have improved, human nature is still human nature. Sin is still present. 
there is still sin within your church. And in the last couple of days, I've been feeling that, been grieving this idea of sin within the church. I pray, Father, that you would help us see those places in the church that need to be cleansed as you saw what needed to be cleansed in the temple when you went in that week. Pray that we would also confront it. I pray that there would be no room for sin in the dealings of the church. Certainly, (laughs) certainly for all of history, we have seen the corruption that sin creates within the church. We're humans. It's a human... um, when where humans gather, there is sin. I pray you would draw us to repentance. What would it look like for your church to be cleansed of as much sin as possible in this day? And I pray that you would bring that forth, that you would see a revival of righteousness and repentance in your church. Bring forth the praise of all of your people to our lips in this time and, pra- and place in the darkness, in the, um, wow, I'm having trouble with words today. Uh, When we get complacence, in the complacency of your people, bring forth your praise and bring forth repentance. All right, let's move on. John 13, three through five says, Jesus knew that the father had given everything into his hands, that he had come from God and that he was going back to God. So he got up from supper laid aside his outer clothing, took a towel, tied it around himself. Next, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with the towel tied around him. Last supper scene, the foot washing. Father, this example of Jesus as servant to his friends, to his enemy, is such a precious story to include in this week, such a precious moment, such an awakening and shifting of perspectives. I pray that we would serve those around us, those closest to us, and our enemies in the same way, that we would do, um, I mean, doing the physical foot washing is a humbling and beautiful ceremony But serving them in the way that you came to serve sacrificially is infinitely harder and more precious. I pray that you would help us see the ways that we need to serve sacrificially those around us. Pray that we would um, have that same mind shift of going from being one who is served to one who is serving. But I also pray that you would help us learn to receive. The disciples had to make a shift where their leader, uh, they didn't want to be served by their leader. They wanted to serve their leader, but they had to have a mind shift of allowing Jesus's humble service to them. Help us learn both sides of this, both sides of what Jesus did, that he served, that he led, that he sacrificed as well. Amen. And then we see Jesus in front of a crowd who came to arrest him. And we see Jesus in interaction with Judas, Matthew 26, 50. Jesus replied, do what you came for, friend. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. Lord, he called out Judas at dinner. This was much later. 
And he was not only accepting of his fate, he, he stepped into this in what struck me so much about this verse this week was relationship. He stepped into this sequence that was going to lead to a huge amount of pain and suffering and death. In the greeting of a friend, not with anger, not with bitterness, not with um, emotions that we would probably feel in our humanness. You stepped into it with grace, with permission, uh, with intention being shown by that. This wasn't something that just sort of came about and happened to you. Do what you came for. I am willing to submit to this. Friend. He called him friend. You know what betrayal from closest, those closest to you is like. When we feel that in our lives, when we experience that, you know. This is not something new that we are the only ones who feel that pain. But I pray that we would um, proceed through it with as much grace, as much relational wisdom as you. Certainly Judas <laughs> uh, felt and earned and experienced the uh, consequences of his actions. But in that moment, Jesus wasn't after revenge. He was still sitting in that relationship. And I just find that astonishing. Lord, teach us the lessons that we need to learn from Jesus's intentional relationships and the way he stepped into his um, fate is what I wanted to say. That's not really the word I was looking for either. Uh, stepped into this process with intention. John 19, 28 through 30. After this, this is after his crucifixion, at the end of his crucifixion. After this, when Jesus knew that everything was now finished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I'm thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was sitting there, so they fixed a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it up to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And then bowed his head, and then bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Father, you, Jesus, you did not leave us until every last thing that you were meant to do on life, in life, was finished. Knowing this, knowing that it was, you gave up your spirit in death. You entered this between time where you would be, your body would be lying in the grave. Jesus, I am awed at your, so many things running through my head, great love that you would endure I'm awed at your endurance and your uh, grit at um, not letting go until you knew it was complete. And then giving in, letting go, stepping into the next season. You were in control of this whole process from beginning to end, no matter what it looked like. When you knew that it was complete, you chose to declare it finished and move on. And I, um, I, I worship you this morning for your being in control this whole time, because it looked like other people were. It looked like 
to all of those around you who had known you were the Son of God, who had declared you Savior, it looked like everything had been destroyed, like their, uh, their world was shattered. But you were in control the entire time. This was the purpose. Every time that we look and we think that, that, that things are not at all what we expect, help us remind us that you are in control. And then the morning, Matthew 28, 5 through 9, what we um, celebrate with joy on Easter after the darkness is opened or, um, well, the darkness is defeated, but I was thinking of this, this moment of realization that the women had here. The angel told the women, don't be afraid because I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay, and then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Listen, I have told you. So departing quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, they ran to tell his disciples the news. Just then, Jesus met them and said greetings. They came up, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. So much goodness here. Father, I love that you told the women. Those who are the least important, you told first. You showed yourself to them. The angel said, go, tell the disciples, tell the men, tell the important people that Jesus is going on before him, but you took a moment and showed yourself to them. And they responded with worship. When they heard the message, when they heard that you were no longer there, when they saw the place that you had lain and you were gone, they felt fear and joy. Is that what it said? Um, yeah, fear and great joy. And they ran to tell the news. And then when you uh, appeared to them, they responded in worship. Those three emotions and, and, and one action, those the fear, the great joy, the worship response, and the let me tell response. I pray that we would sit with those this Easter morning. As we celebrate, as we hear your word, I pray that we would respond with great fear. Who is this that could possibly have the power to defeat death? that thing that ultimately defeats every single one of us. We cannot escape it. We cannot defeat it. What is it? Who is it that can defeat death? That should inspire great fear, but also great joy that you did this with a purpose for a reason because of how much you love us. And that that thing that hangs over us for eternity has been defeated, that we should respond to in worship. I pray that we would do that this Sunday uh, morning, but also every day, that this realization would settle within us and pull out the response of worship on a daily basis. In Jesus' name, amen. That's it, friends. Thank you 
for joining me today. I am so grateful that you are here. If you're watching the broadcast, we will be back again in a week on Monday and back to our best love series for a few more weeks. I think um, if I can get as much done as possible, I'll be announcing next month what we're looking at and what, uh, what, what book and resource we'll have available and what we'll be focused on in the month of what will it be? May, I guess. This is April, May. Yes. If you're a podcast listener, thanks for sharing uh, this broadcast with those, if you have found it helpful, with those who you think would also find it helpful. Praying Scripture is brought to you by Grace in the Gravel Road, and my hope is as we do this that we would enrich our own prayer lives, that we would grow in how to use the Word in this way. Uh, but I also pray that God would answer these prayers in mighty ways and that you would fall deeper in love with the God who gave us this Word. Amen. Amen.